but yeah, I, I, I have, uh, lived a crazy different life than most people my age, which, um, has been different. You're 25, uh, swimming in all the, the pussy juice in the world. Dude, when I was 25, I was living in Las Vegas. I was an on-air disc jockey. Please cut pussy juice in the world. Please cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Nah. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Well, Don is uh, is not here this week because Don has arrived in Wichita, Kansas. He has left Las Vegas uh, and he is taking a much deserved, much needed rest, kicking back a bit with mom and dad, taking care of dad, who's a little sick. Um, so, yeah, Don is taking care of himself and his family right now. So this week we have our good friend, John Beardmore, joining us on the Apecast. John, thank you for being here. I got, my name got dropped in two consecutive episodes. Yeah, and here I am, baby. It's um, you're you're quicker than Beetlejuice. All we got to do is say your name twice, <laughs> and you show up. Uh, so we know why Don is in Wichita. We know why he left Las Vegas. His his marriage blew up. His wife blew up their marriage, uh, which you know I of course I recommend everybody read everything on Literate, but. Really, go to literateape.com if you haven't read it yet and read Don's Farewell to Las Vegas post. It came out uh, last week, Tuesday, August 30th. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's a read. It's it's a good read, but I don't... God, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, next week when Don is back on, it, it will be the main topic as well. And oh, we're talking do- about... All of it. I feel like we are the Phantom Menace and next week is going to be the the big main Star Wars. It's going to be episode four, five and six of Star Wars this year. We're we're the George Lucas trilogy today. Okay. Sorry. The prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy. Okay. Because I was like, wait, are you, are you saying that next week is going to be. We are the the prequel trilogy. Yes. We're the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And next week is going to be. I'm already excited to listen to it. Yeah. And of course, um, Don's marriage is the. Uh, I should rephrase that. I'm not excited to hear about his tragedy, but I am. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but it's it's interesting to hear because it's funny because like I've known more than either of us have let on on the Apecast. Anything? I mean, he's written about all this shit on Literate. We have talked about his marriage quite a bit, or the dissolution of his marriage. But there were things when I read Farewell to Las Vegas that I didn't know that he just, you know, as a, because Don and I talk about a lot of things, uh, both on the APS and off. Like we talk about a lot of shit and the heavy personal secret stuff. Or so I thought, you know, not that, not that he's hiding shit from me, but there's just shit I didn't know. I didn't know that he was going to because he just didn't talk about it. He doesn't owe me anything, but it's just like, 
even for somebody who knew this so much of it already was like reading this was just like, Oh my God. So yeah, like Don and I have, we have shit to talk about and yeah, you have a lot of things to hear. Yeah. I, uh, I, the only interaction I've ever had with Don was the last time I was on this show, which was the last show before his marriage blew up. So I'm, I am bookending. Oh my God. Is that right? I'm bookending two uh, very extreme uh, event in Don's life. So don't have me back on next time. Just I, move past yeah. me next time. Yeah, I guess this is it for you. Yep. Yeah, so you won't be the sequels to the Star Wars trilogy because those those were absolute garbage and we don't want that. I guess you could bring back Darth, I'm Darth Sidious. Bring me back even though I'm already dead. Yeah, because nothing matters. There are no sacrifices, the stakes that we've invested in and emotionally care about. And the characters that they've created doesn't fucking matter. Right. Um, yeah, cool. So, you know, Don's marriage, again, dissolution of marriage, it, it all feels like fresh again for me, like his breakup. I, I took I took the, the divorce hard because like they were both my friends and knowing what we know about Dana now, it's like, well, I did I even fucking know her and who the fuck is she? And she's not who I thought. Like, it's just, it's hard. And you know, my heart breaks for my buddy. Um, and if it was a marriage that like, just like shit just didn't work out. They just had a fight or there was cheating or like whatever, you know, it was more just like, yeah, we just couldn't make it work together. So we're better off apart. Like my, my heart would break for Dana too, you know, like it, it sucks. So, you know, you're a happily married man. Well, I mean, I, are you happily married? You're married. I don't want to jump to conclusions. I am married. I would, I would classify it as very happily married. Yeah. I would, I, I thought so. I had a suspicion. (laughs) Um, And you've been married for almost, yeah, just six years. Yep. We got married in the same year. You and I got married like three months apart, two months apart. Yep. Um, How how long, so how long have you been with Casey altogether? Casey and I started dating in 2009. So it'll be 13 years in December. Jesus. And I'm 30. So yeah. uh, we are coming up on having spent more time in our lives together already than we have not. So um, it's wow. I and that's when you asked me to be on, I would say I'm not self-conscious about that, but I am a little bit knowing that that's not how a lot of marriages and relationships go. Uh, we were once asked to give a talk about marriage at one of the local high schools. And I, like, I, I don't really want the message to be marry your high school sweetheart, because I know that's not how right. it goes. But throughout, our, I don't even have a high school sweetheart. So, yeah, what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's I don't know. I, I'm not I don't feel like I'm wise enough in my marriage to be giving advice that way. Um, but I also we our, our relationship has blossomed mostly through college is where we were, where we started really becoming serious about one another. And um, through uh, loss and grief and different things, and also joys of, of our lives together. Uh, yeah. We, we grew by going to separate colleges. We spent time apart that way. Um, and, and we learned how to be away from each other and knowing that this is where we really feel most home is with each other. It gave you space to figure out who your each other was while still being together. Cause there's that, yeah. that horrible balance in a relationship. You have to be your most selfish and selfless at the exact same time. Yeah. And especially in your twenties when you're right. horned up and, and just stupid. So 
did you have, so 13 years together, you're 30. So whatever the math is, 15, 16, I was was 17, 17. So have you ever gone through any kind of serious breakup? Like what? I had a girlfriend before Casey. um, And it's very, it's, it's an insignificant conversation piece. Uh, Honestly, it's uh, because she's an insignificant, insignificant person. No, no, that would be an insulting thing to say. Yeah. What's her Uh, name? Let's talk, let's talk shit about her. No, I don't want to do that. No, <laughs> um, I don't keep in touch with her for uh, obvious reasons. I saw somebody at on my 30th birthday uh, on August 9th. I saw uh, a friend of ours, mine, who was in my class in high school at the bars. And she said, you know, I don't want to talk about her, but she's going through a really hard time. She's mm. been checked in and out of mental hospitals. I'm like, I guess I won. I guess yeah. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah. A whole a whole decade and a half later. <laughs> you won that relationship. <laughs> oh my God. Did, did, but all kidding aside with that, did you have a sense of, well, I guess I won? Like legit, did you legitimately think that at all? Because I have thought that with relationships years um, after. I I don't feel great about anybody's mental health being in a bad spot. Um, which is where I guess that was, you know, different inpatient facilities and trying to get her mind around different things. I don't know. So I don't she's like to... legit, like, it's not like, oh, uh, you know, ex-girlfriend Sarah, you know, got divorced for a second time or, you know, put on a lot no, of weight no. or, you some, know, some whatever. significant stuff where you think, oh man, that that's very, very sad. So okay. yeah. not sad enough that I've said anything to her. I'm yeah. not, I'm not that good of a person, but right. <laughs> um, sad enough where I thought, oh, that's sad. I guess I'll have another Baltimore zoo. Yeah. That, at Harry's. Yeah. You know, I think we should pause and explain what a Baltimore zoo is exactly, because for those who haven't, aren't fortunate enough to have had one, can you explain what a Baltimore Zoo is? It's it's all of the McCormicks you could imagine thrown in, <laughs> thrown in with. Is it cranberry juice? Is it is it grenadine? I don't know. It's it's hell in a cocktail. It's 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 disgusting. And it's at Harry's Chocolate Shop here in uh, Lafayette, Indiana, uh, West Lafayette, Indiana, and it's disgusting. And it's, it's like it's kind of like a like I would liken it to like a, a hurricane or a. Um, Long Island iced grenade, tea. Like in Las Vegas or Long Island iced tea. Like it tastes super sweet and fun. And, but it's like, it packs a fucking punch. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. it's like 98% alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Another 2% is just pure sugar. Like it's not good for you. No, it's no. not good, but it's great. It is great. Um, yeah. So you broke up with this girl. Like what was the reason for the break? How long were you guys together? And like, what was the reason for the breakup? Gosh, let me think back to my sophomore year of high school. That's see, that's insane to me that like your last <laughs> breakup. So that was just you're a sophomore year in high school. What was your breakup song? Like what what were the what were the songs on the radio that when you heard them, you're like, oh man, that girl or that breakup or whatever? There's a lot of Jack Johnson at that time. Oh, that's Two, the worst. 2009, a lot of Jack Ugh. Johnson. Yeah. And it was too happy to be sad. You can't listen to Jack Johnson and be no. sad. Uh, and that was also but, like during the the dawn when like a lot of that folk and roll, you know, call and response dispatch. Clap, hey, shit was happening. Yeah. Give me all the dispatch. Oh, all dispatch, the Jesus. <laughs> I, I forgot about dispatch. Me too. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So, so that for me is, 
so so distant i i've lived a long time since then but i'm fairly uh certain it was just a little too much of a person for me just okay. uh, controlling i would i would think yeah um but yeah. it's been a long time i mean I, I can't think back to 16 that well and i know that that's crazy it is i do think it's it is deeply disinteresting to have that be <laughs> my most recent breakup uh so what about you i mean you're you've had some serious when we talked about the the piece of cheese yeah um, what's her face yeah what's her face um i mean i can i feel that i relive and tap into my my breakup memories far too often yeah yeah. And I think that's because honestly, I think it's because like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in a relationship. Like I'm annoyed most of the time in my marriage, <laughs> but I'm happy, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and I think I just have to like balance it out. Cause it's like, like my marriage is fine. You know, like it's, like I said, like it's annoying. It's got its probably shit. I talk about it. I write about it, whatever, but I don't know. And I, but like, you know, but I'll hear music, you know, like I'll listen to, I mean, I'm still listening to the same, you know, records I listened to 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you know, we listen to the same music that we really love over and over again. So, you know, like when I listen to some record, it'll put me right back into that place. And I can, every song, every lyric will put me right back to what I was feeling and going through then, or even if it wasn't a breakup, like when, you know, falling in love with the girl, like I'm immediately transported back to that. There's just no way to avoid it. Um, the book that I've got that's about to come out, be published on Literary Press um, is based on my last big breakup. Like it all came from, from that. Um, my, it's loosely based on my first three years in Chicago, which had a lot of death, breakups, bad relationships, fall, falling in love. I mean, the whole thing, like it's all, I pulled from and, a lot of that. What, when was this both your age and your, your years? Uh, that was 2000. So my, yeah. First reason. I'm, just, I'm was, just asking how old you are is really all I'm asking. Yeah, uh, 2007 to 2010 were those first three years in Chicago. Okay. Um, and I was 28 to 30. I don't think I had, yeah. 31, I guess would be the years. So it was, you know, the end of my twenties. I mean, it was like facing adulthood and everything was spinning out of control and going wrong. And I had just, everything was fucking terrible, terrible. My 25 to 30 is vastly different from your 25 to 30. And, but you and I having been, we have, my oldest son is the same age as Harry, six months older. Six months so ahead, yeah. we have I think we've kind of lived vicariously through one another as parents and have, have aged we, into each other. We've aged into each other. It's really funny that way. Cause yeah, you're, th you're 30. I'm 30. I'm 43. I'm 13 years older than you. I'm as, I'm as, I'm older than you as long as your relationship with Casey is. Yep. God, and, that's fucking And this weird. time frame for your book is my time frame for having two children. You're 28 to 30 is my time frame yeah. for having two of my three yes. children. What's funny about like the 25 to 30 range is when I was, I don't know, 20, 21, maybe I had a, an, a, a buddy who's 25 or maybe he was like 26 at the time. But I remember him telling me something to the effect of, 
man, I don't know what happens, but at 25, pussy just gets thrown at you. Fucking young <laughs> chicks throw pussy at you. Older chicks throw pussy. There's something about you. You just like a man hits 25 and he just kind of comes into himself a bit. Some kind of, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you it happens. And I, you know, listen, like, okay, you know, whatever. But I hit 25 and something happened. Um, And I think it was just like, yeah, you find a weird stride of your, maybe it's like you're out of your quarter life crisis or you find comfort in that quarter life crisis. Um, But yeah, I mean, 25 to 30. And even for me, like, I mean, I got married when I was 37. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was single for a long time or in and out of relationships or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Very different. My 25 to 30, very different than yours. Cause in 25 to 30, you've had. I will. Uh, So I almost wasn't able to do this today because um, we thought that we might be having our third, our, our baby. We're due um, when this episode comes out in six days. So uh, we're getting very close to your due date uh, is our, our wedding, mine and Katie's wedding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. September 10th. So we are due on September 10th. We are getting very, very close. And this is our third kid. So first signs of anything, labor could go pretty quick. Right. So uh, today was maybe my least productive day at work because my wife woke up and said, Hey, something feels off. Something Mm -hmm. just feels weird. And she said that for our first one as well, that she woke up, something felt weird. And then we had uh, Henry. So uh, I almost couldn't do this today and I'm very thankful to be here, but Holy shit. It was quite a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Um, it's scary. It's it's scary, but like, okay. Like you'd be ready to go to the hospital and to be ready for. I I dropped Peter, my, my youngest currently off at, daycare and I, I looked up and I said is this the last day that you're my youngest oh that's weird it was very weird because he's yeah. he'll be he's not yet too so he's he's hardly feels old enough to be an older brother but we're getting there and it's it's, it's very very exciting oh my um, god but so yeah I, I i have uh lived a crazy different life than most people my age which um has been different you're 25 uh swimming in all the the pussy juice in the world dude when i was 25 i was living in las vegas i was an on-air disc jockey please cut pussy juice in the world please cut that (laughs) (laughs) nah but yeah like it was i don't know that you know pussy's being thrown at me i wasn't falling out of trees landing on my head or anything but like i had my own house i had I, i had no accountability to anybody else except myself to you know not be an asshole as best I can go to work, do a good job, pay my bills, avoid arrest and be kind to people. Right. Like that was it. Yeah. I, very different than your 25 year, you know, your 25th year. Yeah. And, and I I'm very interested to hear um, Don's. I, I would like to hear Don's. I know he's, he's had himself, maybe the most topsy-turvy, twisty, turny road to where he is now. Uh, I, I, the only relationship I have with him is through this show, and he's, he's very open about talking about it. And yeah. um, I, I, I just, I admire him for being open about it, 
I have a hard time talking about anything and him putting that out there uh, and putting that out there and just saying, this is what happened to me. This is my yeah. story. Um, I, I do wonder, and this maybe isn't the platform to wonder this, um, will Dana write her side of that? Um, that's kind of what we're hoping. Is it? Okay. Well, yeah. You know, um, I, I, I haven't said anything about Dana yet because, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what the Dana thing is. And I know I'm going to get more into this next week with Don. Um, I, Here, let's, let's just we'll push it away until next week. I'm just going to say this. Like, I don't think that Dana's a mean person. I think Dana just doesn't care like this. It's almost sociopathic and I'm not, you know, I'm not like officially diagnosing or I don't, you know, but there's, that's just it. Like if you, if you read the farewell to Las Vegas, it's like, she just didn't get it. Didn't care. Didn't seem to understand the, what did he say that, um, didn't, uh, I I don't want to find it right now, but something about like, didn't understand like that she blew up our marriage. Like she just had no concept. The fact that she's the one that pushed the red button, you know, that no. turned the key and flipped the switch to launch the nukes. Um, yeah. Dang, I have it up here, but I can't find it either. I really wanted to read that out because he, he in this is so eloquent about it. Um, yeah. It's uh, the, the two and a half years of dicks is quite a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of dicks. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. There's just so much. So I've never quite had a breakup like that. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, fortunately, yeah. Thankfully I haven't either, but what's interesting about like comparing your 25 to 30 and my 25 and 30 and like the life's trajectory and how you and I have leveled out. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, like we're both dads of young kids that are, I mean, Peter is, you know, two years older than or almost two years older than Jake, but like Pretty. I mean, the kid, we're at the same place. I mean, Jake basically. is a, Jake is a month older than what this baby's going to be. So that's yeah. The, so yeah. All right. So I've already forgot about the kid that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. But Jake and and kid number three. Well, yeah. We got married the same year. You know. Yeah. There's just a lot of we've yeah we've leveled out. Don is finds himself at the kind of place that a 25 year old or a 30 year old might find themselves like after a big breakup with, because it's easy to figure out like, I, you know, shit me, you know, I was 30, had a big breakup with a girl that I was probably going to marry and found myself like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am or where to go. Like that's the kind of shit that happens at 25 to 30. You have these big breakups and you're trying to figure out who you are. And then you move back home with your parents. You have to, yeah, you move back home with your parents or you get a roommate, like whatever you do, like your life completely changes a direction. Maybe it's a total U-turn from where you thought it was going and you have to reassess everything. Don's doing that at, what is he, 56 now? He's 14 years older than me. So sure, 56. Is that right? I don't know. I don't do the math. I can't. I don't know how to do it. Um, I'll get my abacus. But, you know, and Don and I have talked about this, too. Like, our lives are at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, I'm welcoming a new child in the world, married, 
dogs, mortgage, the whole thing. Don is, I'm getting out of my apartment. I'm going to go live with my parents for a bit and take care of my dad. And then who the fuck knows? And I'm divorcing and I have no kids. And it's, yeah, he's basically 25 years old at, you know, 25 years later, 25 plus years later. And it feels like um, one of the paragraphs that when you said that, um, Vegas immediately doubled down on the feeling that I simply didn't matter. The idea that perhaps I was seen as too old to start over again became prevalent. So that, and that's something that this poor guy has been through before yeah. Yeah. and, and started fresh and is, is unapologetically going for it again and going for, I'm going to go for a fresh start somewhere else. I'm going to go take care of business with home. And then, who the hell knows? And, and there's something uh, I don't know about admirable. It is admirable, but what I'm, there's something to be desired there. You know, you have in the back of your brain. I love my family. I you've seen me with my kids. I there's yeah. no possible way I could love my children more than I love my wife and my children. And yet, in the back of your brain, God, wouldn't it be great to just drive off and do something else? Yeah. Like, well, just that, that it's another open door for a guy who a lot of people don't at, at Don's age, don't get that, don't get right. that opportunity to uh, start fresh. A lot of people end up in shitty marriages that they feel they're stuck in for the rest of their lives. And yep. um, I'm excited to be a, a, a in the sidecar uh, through mm. the ape cast to see mm-hmm. what, what happens next. Yeah. I mean, if, if this is going to happen to anybody, it's it's a good thing it happened to Don because I think that he's good at surviving. I've always joked that, you know, if, when the apocalypse comes, I want to be with Don Hall because that dude knows how to survive. Like Don he is, Hall he is and a Tommy Mills. And Tommy Mills, yes, 100%. <laughs> we just follow those two guys. We're all good. We will, we will be fine. So, but yeah, it is, it's, do you, do you, reg- well, not regret, regret's not the right word. Um, understanding, of course, like you, you love Casey, you love yeah. your kids, you, you know, you wouldn't change a thing about, well, I mean, maybe you change a few things about your life, but like, you're, you're good. You know, like you have no regrets with wasting the latter half of your twenties when all of it, I mean, the, yeah, it was just all such a waste. I mean, just. Again, when you're 25, dude, you missed all that. You had to have seen just like pussies on the sidewalk that you stepped over when you were 25, 26. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, right? I always had to go outside in galoshes. Right. I just I, I can't go out in any white, white shoes after Labor Day. Can't explain no it. Chance. It happens to all of us. Yeah. But like I, I mean, would say you, regret. I know what you're trying to do. You have a long like, oh, man, you know, I wonder what it would have been like, you know, if I'd been like me, like like Himmel or, you know. Um, I had a friend who I met up with a few years ago. Um, and she had just lost a job and was trying to figure out what was next for her. And she's like, I think I'm just going to be a stewardess. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to try something. I was like, there's something romantic about uh, no airline travel. Eric Beardmore. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Airline travel sucks, of course. Uh, But no, there's something romantic about just doing it, 
getting yeah. out and and seeing the world and, and having nothing that ties you down. And I, no I was accountability. Yeah. And she, as I'm explaining, I am now a brand new dad at that same point mm-hmm. has that exact same longing for having the thing to tie her down. So I think the grass is always greener, no matter what situation you are in. Um, of course you wonder like if I wouldn't have been married, would I have ended up living in New York or, or do who knows traveling the world and, and um, our plans, just like Don mentioned in the first sentence of the, the universe giggles when we make plans mm-hmm. our plan was not to have children super early uh mm. i always figured it was that no we that, wanted okay. we wanted to wait till we were 30 and now we've got three when i'm 30 so uh you do know what causes kids right i so far i've got not a clue it's it's sex So sex is, all right, well, I don't want to, yeah, this is, it's when Henry, my oldest did ask when we told him that we were expecting our third, he said, how is that even possible? (laughs) I said, I wish I knew, buddy. I wish I knew. All right. So let me ask you this. If you could magically, you still end up with Casey and you still end up with the same three kids and the same house, everything, except it doesn't happen until you're 30. You and Casey don't meet. You don't get married. Like the whole relationship begins like it did in 2009, but you're 30 years old. So it's 2022. Would you, you, but everything else is fine. Like you still, you get married, same life, same everything. Would you take that and, and change your life and live your life from 16 years old to 30 with whatever opportunities and adventures you, you found. The more interesting answer is yes, I would take that, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I would. Um, I think the road you have been on is the road that was for you. And um, so you're saying magic is bullshit. Illusions, Michael. (laughs) So you're saying that this impossible scenario I'm presenting to you. (laughs) Uh, that's, that's why I don't, I don't want to give you a boring answer. Uh, I suppose, I mean, if well, I let me put a follow-up answer that. then, let me put a follow-up question then. If so, yes, you would do it because why not? So what are like three things like, what's your, like, you know, your bucket list, three bucket list things that you would, that you would want to do. And is it, you know, I'd want to work on a cruise ship for a year or, you know, fuck 75 women and not remember any of their names have 75 women. Fuck me and have them not remember my name. You know, are there things that you would want to do just to like, that would be impossible to do with, yeah. with your life now? Yeah, I, I would definitely, I would, I think I would have, I loved visiting New York. I, I just loved it. I think I would have somehow found a way to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but with children, that is a very difficult thing to do. I have a buddy out there who um, is a year younger than I am with who just had his third child there. Mm. Uh, and in New York, that is a tough task. I, I would love. Is I, he I in the city proper? Like, is he in? Yeah. Yeah. 
Is he in Manhattan or he is it, he's in Manhattan? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, in a two bedroom apartment with uh, a four year old, a two year old and a brand new baby. How, and I'm sure they're paying like double what our mortgages are together. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but they are, they are so happy. They are so happy living in the chaos of all of that. They go to the park every single day. They, they have a close group of friends that they go to church with. They are, um, I, I admire the two of them quite a bit for being able to, to do something much like a 53 year old learning how to be on his own again, a not yet 30 year old with three children in New York. Um, most of the time would be because they're a drug addict or uh, (laughs) no, that's they, they are living their, their life the way they want to, regardless of what most of society would say is crazy. And, and, and I, probably in that same boat where I am. So that's, uh, but I would love to live in New York. That would be something I would really think I would enjoy. Um, I would, I, I'm, I would visit my siblings who don't live in town. So I'm one of eight kids. Um, I would, I've not been out to see Tommy who lives in, in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not really visited Brian very much in Chicago. Uh, and I would like to be able to see those two more. Thankfully, a lot of the siblings are back in Lafayette now, but um, I would, that would be something I would love to visit with my siblings more. And then. um, Well, you got to come up to Chicago for Brian, but also for Henry and Harry. No, thanks. All right. And Uh, uh, me, for me, me I probably would have done something in the realm of, this as a career or looking at some sort of uh, some sort of entertainment, I would have gone into maybe being like a producer for mm. um, something like this. I just am very interested in podcasting and in media and, and social media. I, and I, I don't know, I I've probably would have explored something, a career in, in something like this. Why didn't you do that? I mean, that seems like something you could do with or without Casey. Uh, it was something I kids. did. I actually did some video editing for um, Barstool and uh, I needed a job that had health mm. insurance Yeah, and I needed to because she was pregnant and I took the job that I'm in now. And I like I have said before, I, I think the road you take is where you are. I was not necessarily excited about moving back to Lafayette to take this job. Um, but man, I am I thankful to be where I am right now. And I, I have found skills that I um, did not realize I had and mm-hmm. have grown quite a bit and uh, confidence in myself and um, assuredness that I, I am in a place where I am valued and, and, well looked after by coworkers and by, you know, everybody else who I interact with. My customers are very, very, I don't know, great to work with. And I, mm-hmm. I just enjoy what I do a lot. So um, yeah, if I had to pick a couple things, those would be those. And now we're sack of the news. First Rorschach, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's 47 has broken up with Camilla Marone, 
who is 25. Jesus. All right. Have you heard the track record of Leonardo DiCaprio? I know that Leo like doesn't date anybody over 30, right? It's- no, 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 no. Okay. He has never publicly dated a woman over 25. Over 25? Over 25. He has never dated a woman publicly over 25. The oldest person he has ever dated is 25. He has had Blake Lively, Giselle Bunchen, um, Nina Agdahl, and this current girl who he's been with since she was 20. She turned 25 in June. Oh, my God. Like two months, two months ago. And the Internet was crazy about she turned 25 clocks ticking and it ticked. He wow. just broke up with her as she turned 25. So Jesus. And the, okay. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, that feels just gross for a couple of reasons. He was a 42 year old dating a 20 year old. So the rule is like the rule, right? Is, yeah, I've heard these theories. What is yours? So divide your own age by two. So he's 47 divided by two. Then add seven. So that's 47 divided by two is 23 and a half plus seven equals 30 and a half. That is the age. So your age divided by two plus seven is the socially acceptable minimum age for anyone you want to date. Okay. So 30 and a half is five and a half years older than Leo has is, is doing right now. Yes. Has ever done in his life. So that's kind of, I don't know if it's gross. Cause like a 24 year old is not a, like she's not a child, but 47 years old, 47 and 25, like 24 that's a lot of eight. That's that's a lot of life. Just it's just re- culture. Katie is seven and a half years younger, seven years younger than me. Seven and a half, whatever. Um, there's there's a cultural difference between us. Part of it is age. Part of it is just our upbringings. Upbringing for sure. Um, but I sent so I sent her my story on Gorbachev today, and was like, "Do you think if I send this to your parents that they ever let me in the house again?" Because my story is like. It's sad that Gorbachev died. He was a fucking hero. He was a brave man who put himself at risk to do what he thought was best for the world and his people. So this was that was going to be because I knew I read your piece. I was trying to do my own research. Uh, being a 30 year old, I don't have any Cold War memories. Katie and said her response to me was like, I think I'm too young for this. Like and I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> So I, so I wanted to hear you expound on on that a little bit. So yeah. um, what are your thoughts on Gorbachev? Well, I mean, and you know, I said this in my piece, like I was a kid. I mean, 1985, when he came into power, I was five or six years old. Um, but I remember having this understanding of Russia was bad, America was good. But Gorbachev always seemed like a good guy who was trying to make the bad guys not bad anymore. I just, mm. I, I just, I, I, that's just what it was to me because why else would our president be talking to him smiling in pictures? You know, like I, I, I piece it together that way. And then when I was old enough 
to see the, uh, you know, when the, when Soviet Union collapsed in 91, I was 12. So I had a better understanding of what that all meant. Um, and I just felt like he, and then as I got older and like knew more about history and like to put the pieces together, Gorbachev just seemed like the guy who he really wanted to do right by the Russian people and by the world, which is like they, de- I mean, because of Gorbachev, they de-escalated and Reagan, but Gorbachev de-escalated nuclear warheads. Like they got rid of a, I don't know how many, but like they toned down their, their nuclear, their nuke game. That's fucking huge. You know, like they, that that's, that's just amazing. And, but you know, everything he did, the union, Soviet Union was going to collapse. It was not sustainable. It looked really good on paper, but it just, it was not sustainable. And he tried to put it together. He tried to keep it together, tried to bring in new things, tried to modernize and liberalize. And it didn't work. And he's, he's seen in, I mean, the headlines this morning, the day after he died, were like, Russia remembers Gorbachev's failures. America, the rest of the world remembers his successes or some, you know, some shit like that. Cause he was there when the fucking Soviet Union collapsed. He was the boss, but he fought really hard for the betterment of the world and his people. And, and he knew every step of the way he was going to lose personally and professionally. He did it anyway. Like what, Noble. what leader other than maybe Jimmy Carter, you know, has Barack Obama didn't. Donald Trump has come close. <laughs> so I, that's that's my big. And my dad this morning he hadn't even read my piece, but he he called me to we we're chatting and he's like, "So are you are you going to Gorbachev's funeral?" And I was like, "No, but funny you should ask you to read my piece because even my dad knows that like David probably really likes that guy." <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think to ask at the time. Like my I don't know what my dad thought of Gorbachev at the time because my dad was like, you know. America he's still like America's the best country in the world. Why dad? And it's because he was born in 1950 and he's been fucking perfectly brilliantly brainwashed. You know. Yep. So okay. <laughs> I, I I have no just the way that you described Katie. It's I don't have any frame of reference for it. And I I did a little like research for me which is reading to obituaries essentially on CNN and Fox news to give yeah. myself the yin yin and the, the, the very yang, awful yeah. yang. Right. Um, and then I watched a couple of YouTube videos and then I read your piece mm-hmm. that port wine stain. What a cute little bald head. I know. Right. Uh, That's the other thing. I, I wonder if I would have even remembered him at all, if it weren't for the funny looking bald guy with the map of something like his head looked like a globe. Like, what is that? Pangea? Pangea, damn it. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that that Leonardo DiCaprio should start fucking more old Russian men. I think that that would be more appropriate. Preferably ones with port wine stains on their domes. How does he do it? How is it not creepy at this? Like, what age are we or what state? Yeah. What age are we all going to go? No, Leo, you, you, you can't. 
have you seen the recent stories of from you remember the the playmates who were on the show what was it girls next door or the, girls next door yeah the, they've, yeah, they've the told girlfriends. their they've told their experiences of, of uh late intercourse with all hugh having sex with hugh hefner was was just traumatizing yeah and at some point leo's gonna get there this is something i think about am i again not that i'm thinking about fucking other people or that i want to get out of my marriage or whatever but like how do you not have these thoughts that like should something go wrong especially after reading you know farewell to vegas right like you listen to don's story like i don't know katie could come home one day and be a totally different person and blow my world up but like am i old and gross to a 25 year old because i don't look like i mean i i still look pretty young i don't feel like i i'm not losing my hair i'm not like you look younger than i do but but yeah you've got a third kid on the way that's your problem and you you know no, but you 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 have better hair than i do i don't know it looks younger but but okay, you don't you. look. Thank you, John. Thank you. That's all I was looking for. Just yeah, say thank thanks. You. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. But like, you know, I mean, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, fuck, I'm so old man and dad bod. But like, comparatively, no, no, not, not at all. So like, how long could, if Katie left me and I had to like get back out in the world, like how long could I get by hitting on 24? four-year-olds because I'm four years younger than Leonardo DiCaprio. So I could, let's see, I'm 43. Let's do the math. <laughs> let's see. 43 divided by two plus seven. All right. So 28 and a half. I could 28 year old. You could date me. But you're 30. I know. So you could date me. Oh yes. I see what you're saying. Yes. And, and I would, Aww. if you'd have me. Right. Give it time. All right. So do you want me to throw Rorschach at you now? Or do you sure. Keep throw going? one at me. All right. Throw one at me. This one is specifically for you because I know um, you've got student loans. Yes, I do. And they're being forgiven. Are you like part of that? That's what I hear. Okay. So this, <laughs> I mostly picked this because I just, <laughs> it's from Vanity Fair. Oh, and perfect. These fuckers, like, they fucking hate Donald Trump. I couldn't, I, I, you know, I don't have time to go back and count how many story, glowing stories they gave on the Trump family over the years. Because, you know, rich socialites, fucking assholes. You know, Vanity Fair is the most star-fucking, vapid bunch of bullshit ever. But <laughs> this headline, Donald Trump Jr., born with a silver spoon in his ass, doesn't like Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. <laughs> What a quote. So I, I what a headline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of gall for the son of a doctor to say that he deserves the student loans, but I, I would love, I, I don't feel like I do. And I've said that I'll take the student loan forgiveness, but I do not feel like I deserve it, but I definitely qualify. My wife and my salary combined would qualify to, for the one person. So um, this truly it, it is life-changing. It, it will make a massive difference um, in our financial lives. Casey uh, was a Pell Grant recipient, so she's possibly eligible for 20 grand in forgiveness. So um, for us, that is uh, us 
putting new siding on our house or yeah. uh, it, it's going to it's going to help us not spend for, for both of us total thirty thousand dollars giving money back to the federal government. The federal government is forgiving that for us so that we can we're, we're going <laughs> to pay off our car loan or buy a van because we have we're going to have nine thousand kids. So um, <laughs> that money that forgiveness, at least in this capacity, is going to go directly back into our economy. Mm-hmm. And I, it wouldn't without it. So uh, I am very thankful for it. But I also understand that there are um, there are people who would look at me and say, you don't need that. And I probably don't, but I'm taking it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have student. I was fortunate. I don't have student loans. So like, I don't have a dog in this, in this fight at all. Other than I know that's, you know, the expense of college is, is one thing, but the college is charged is one thing, but like, it almost feels predatory. The, uh, the interest rates on the they loans. Are. And I think like there's, that's because you'll never, like, you'll never pay them off. It's some of these interest loans, right? Like you're just paying the fucking interest. And your principal goes down next to nothing. So yeah, it's it's super predatory. It, it's not something that uh, you wouldn't let a an eighteen year old take out a loan for a uh, hundred and sixty thousand dollar house, and then they would have the house back to then resell that house if they needed to. That right. if a person needed one hundred and sixty thousand dollars in loans for school, there's nothing to be able to turn that back. I mean, if yes, your your job, but that's not, you, there's nothing tangible to then pay that. Well, but like, back. but also like the costs of, you know, that we pay people don't match up with the, the cost of living, right? Like no, it just doesn't, no. I mean, I talked to, I talked to my dad about this a lot. Like my grandfather and I had, I had coffee with a, with a cousin, first cousin once removed um, he, the other day. We were talking about like his grand, my he and my dad's grandfather, my great grandfather. That apparently, when he died in 1981, he was probably worth two million dollars. I did the math on it. That's like over six million dollars today. That's a lot of fucking money. And like we weren't like big, you know, we had a fur company, like, but th- yeah. they had also real estate holdings. But like, I just feel like so what I was saying is like I talked to my dad about this all the time. Like, you know, my grandfather, like how did he get so much money? Cause they weren't like super rich. We didn't have like chains of fur and, you know, we weren't like running the fur industry of, you know, the fur barons of America, <laughs> you know, we, it was a, a successful family business, you know? Um, but like my grandfather didn't have to buy, didn't have to pay for internet. Didn't have to pay for, didn't have to buy a computer and then an iPad and then a phone and then another phone for his wife all these things that we have and then streaming, like, like just things were different than like he spent less money on fewer things. Cause those things just weren't there. You buy a TV, you plug it in, you're good to go. That's it. It's paid for. God, I wish Don was here to hear that answer. I know. That is, I know that's a horse shit excuse. It's a start though. It's a start. And college wasn't super expensive for them back then. no, and the interest rates on whatever loans they may have had. I mean, the fucking GI Bill gave everybody shit for free. So the, the Pell, a Pell Grant 
uh, when Pell Grants were introduced would cover 80% of college tuition. It is now less or around 30. So you can see that yeah. I don't necessarily think that you need to go and you don't need to buy the iPad or the streaming service. I wouldn't necessarily of course use not. that as an excuse. Of course not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I would say, yeah, right. I would say, but, but, but the costs, uh, I mean, minimum wage. Well, but my, not, my point is like not... the comparison is like my grandfather, there was nothing. My grandfather like didn't have a TV because it was expensive. Didn't have a radio or didn't have two he cars. Had a, he had a hoop and a stick. He had a hoop and a stick and a, and roller skates made out of rolling pins and day old shoes. Uh, you know, that's a Don thing. He said that once and it made day no goddamn sense. Shoes. But like my grandfather lived, he had all my, and the kids, they, they had all the things that modern families had, just like we have all the things that modern families have. Fucking iPads, goddamn streaming services, you know, but. God, times are yeah, so hard. I, what I'd like to see happen though, like my, again, no dog in this fight really, other than the altruist in me, forgive the student loans, but what happens to Henry and Harry? Yeah, this is that, you know, like that you is, to, are we going to change the system so we don't have to deal with this bullshit again in another 25 years? Yeah, I think that's where my next concern lies is there has to be substantive change there. And I think the biggest one that you could you could do is make two year community college free. Yeah. Make two year go to for us. Well, here, someone's got to pay for it. Why should I pay for it? I'm not going to community college. No, but to at least get your associate. I know you don't believe that, but to get your associate's well, I'm degree. I'm devil's advocate for the assholes that are like, yes, look, the government I think pays that, for shit. Shut the fuck up. You know, I think that the biggest thing that you would get out of community college a- after high school is um, the first two years of college for a lot of people are bullshit anyway. Katie's whole thing, she started going to um, Columbia in Chicago, Columbia College, her first year and was like, I think maybe a semester later, she was like, why am I spending all this money on core classes? Fuck it. I'm going to Parkland in Champaign, bang this shit out, and then I'll go get my design degree from a college with my major and spend the money where it matters. Yeah. And I think that society will push not ready for college students to college where they're taking on debt that they don't need to be taking on. And the, I think the best solution is if a kid wants to go to college, go get an extra two years, get your core classes or take a couple core classes and then take a design class that you didn't know you wanted to take. And that in a lot of rural or inner city schools may not have that opportunity to, to have that class. You may not have the facilities to be able to. I never had shop class. I yeah. would have loved to have, have been able to work with my hands and learn, oh man, I would really like to do something else. And, and then it could push kids into trades mm-hmm. and it could push kids into yeah. things that are just, we don't need more philosophy majors and we can find other ways of encouraging people to, to young people who are making their biggest decisions of their lives at that point, give them more time to figure out where they want to do that. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's, it's great thinking. I would also argue that it might be good. Cause like part of college is the experience, you know, you make your friends, you 
find your place. Yep. Um, you know, so it, it feels like, you know, four, four years in one place, like you can really find your place and your people and figure shit out. And if you go to an associate college or junior college, first two years and go somewhere else, another two, it's almost like you're, you're leaving just when you're making some good friends and finding your place here. And then you go somewhere else and you're like uh, playing catch up to something else, or you have to leave in two years when you graduate and you like, don't get the full solid thing. You know, like, let's say you join a fraternity, you're involved in organizations or whatever at college. Could these big universities, you know, core classes, you know, whatever would equal the associate's degree, are those cost-free? And all you're paying for then is like a... Your engineering classes or whatever. Your engineering classes or like, and you know, it's, it is a, it's a state college or it's a private college. Like you pay a service fee as it were, you know, but like you're not getting charged credit, credit hours. I don't know, but there's just so much, like, there's so many ways to make it more affordable for the people, for the students. And then when they go out in the world, they have money then with their jobs from what they've learned, hopefully, uh, that they can spend on another fucking iPad or their 9,000th kid that they don't fucking need. It's totally neat. Purdue University here in town um, is on, I believe it's 12th year of a tuition freeze. The only school in the country, the 12th year, the, the tuition has been the same cost. Wow. And they found ways to not keep that price skyrocketing. I, I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of schools that need to take a look at that. It's, it's amazing that, that a school that big in doing that truly nationally recognized things, things, what a, what a great word, yeah. um, doing truly nationally recognized actions to, to make sure that it's affordable for their students. And now they, they went and purchased, uh, a, an online college, which is now Purdue global. I believe it was, uh, it was a, another name. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that is providing an online college, cheaper opportunity for people who, don't have that. I believe Millie, Millie Bobby Brown is a student at Purdue global famous for her role in, in Hulu's stranger, things. stranger things. Yes. So many streaming services. All right. Uh, what's your next, what's your next headline for me? We talked about this just the other day, Ben Kingsley is going to return to the MCU in Wonder Man. As, as the same character, Trevor Slatterly, he is coming back. Did we talk about this? Yes. While we were drunk. Okay. E- eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and breakfast tacos at 1 oh, a.m. Yeah. I said how much I disliked that entire thing. And you said that it didn't bother you. I am not but- happy about it. Dis- sorry, refresh memory because I was a few sheets of the wind at that point. I was also focused on how you made your breakfast tacos. I couldn't figure out if they were frozen out of a box that you might, because you microwaved them. You pulled them out of the fridge and you microwaved them, but you had made them, they weren't like a prepackaged frozen, like TGI Friday's breakfast tacos. Like you made these, scramble the eggs, put them in tortillas. No, I scramble. I scramble. I I made too much egg scramble that morning. 
and I might, I put it in the fridge and I microwaved it up again. And then, and then you put it in a tortilla just that night. You just, you, you just it. made use of leftover you eggs. Okay. Hey, I'm a, a magician Jesus. never reveals his tricks. No, that's great. I'm, but thank you for doing so right now. Cause that, that was bothering me. That's why I couldn't remember the Ben Kingsley thing. So what I said was you didn't, or what you said, you didn't like the Mandarin role in Iron Man three. Yeah. Hated it. Why, I said, okay. well, we were talking about our least favorite Marvel movies. We were ironically yeah. calling them our favorites. Yeah. Um, and it's Iron Man three is terrible. And that yeah, whole thing so. is ter- the whole thing is terrible. And it's the extremist I, story. There's a, there's a comic that is the extremist story, which we get, but in the movie they had, they shoved the Mandarin into it because how do you have an Iron Man? How do you have three Iron Man movies and the Avengers and no Mandarin? Cause Mandarin is Iron Man's. Is that the number one? He's like, he's like, he's one of, yeah. Like if not number one, but he's like right up there. So that's how they did that. And I thought it was clever. Cause it's like, ah, fuck, what are you going to do? All right. Um, you know, and I love Ben Kings. I love the Trevor Slattery, whatever the fuck his name is, is a great, weird, fun character. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I am totally good with it. No thanks. I don't, and I also don't. I, I, I'm not a comic book aficionado. Who's Wonder Man? That who I don't are know. The, who are all these superheroes that they're making these movies for? They're making all these things. We that- have officially because i was in the comic book club in high school like i i feel like I'm, i can hold my own when it comes to comics but we're getting to the point where like the i iron toenail i yeah right like i'm i never read it those are such sub characters that i nope don't I know i can't tell if i'm getting burned out on marvel movies i have i didn't go and see thor in theaters uh i've seen everything Disney Plus up to Ms. Marvel. I haven't watched Ms. Marvel or She-Hulk. Maybe I'm a sexist. No, you're you're a racist because Ms. Marvel is oh my bad Muslim, um, and She-Hulk is green, whatever the fuck that is. So no, uh, Ms. Marvel is fine. Ms. Marvel, it's a it's a teenage kids show. Like it's we're not the audience, but it is a good show. Like it is it's well written, it's well directed, it's it's fine. She-Hulk, I've seen two episodes so far at the time of this recording, and it's, eh, I'm just glad they're short episodes. Like, they're like 23 minutes Are they 22? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and then I'm forced to like, go. I see seven minutes left on the, you know, on the, on the, the time bar. So I'm like, all right, is there a post credit scene? Oh, there's not fucking even better. Great. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's. See, that's not how I want my, it's my most guilty of, of nerd pleasures because um, I, I just love them. I don't have, I talk to you about it more than I talk to anybody else because yeah. I, I, that's all I, I, I don't. The good thing I is you know, can always go back and watch the old shit, the shit you've seen, because it's always still there. It's still good. I watched, uh, I watched Thor, not even one of the good ones or the better ones. Anyway, it's decent, but I watched Thor the other night. Cause I was like, eh, I haven't seen it. Let's, Let's watch Chris Hemsworth beat the shit out of people with a hammer and Natalie Portman. Okay. I'm going to see Natalie Portman's eyebrows. Uh, all right. So I fucking love this woman. Pregnant Texas woman who claimed her unborn baby counts as a passenger in the carpool lane is ticketed again. Again. 
she was the first citation was dismissed before um, it was dismissed. And then she was pulled over for a second time for the exact same thing in Texas. Why would that not fly in Texas? I don't understand that. If if that's the if the way that state is run, that should they she has a valid argument. It is valid as fuck, and I I love it because like look if we're gonna if we're gonna call let's call it what it is. If that thing is alive and that is a human being with rights and all that other stuff, great fucking let's do it then. Carpooling, baby. Yeah, I I love that she's doing this because like what is is she making a point or is she an asshole? No, she's making a point. She's okay. She's making a point. And I love that because she only has limited time to do it. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure how far along she is, but time's running out on her ability to do this. And so let's say that this one doesn't get thrown out and she does it again. I mean, like, what is the ticket? Like, what, a couple hundred bucks by the end of this whole thing, if they stop throwing them out, fucking worth it. Totally worth it. I, this woman is hilarious and she's a hero in my book. How... Interesting. What uh, what a conundrum mm-hmm. for all for all Greggy boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, wow, I have not heard anything about that story. That is uh, I hope she should just keep doing it. Uh, everyone who everyone should give it a shot. Yeah. And, you know, what? claim them on your taxes too. nine months of that year or however many months, you know, whatever it is. That that kid was here. I I live in Indiana. We were the first ones to totally make it uh, illegal. And um, yeah, I'm going to try. Let's let's claim this this baby. See what happens. I mean, the problem with doing it on your taxes that it could become like an annoying headache. Because I don't know. Because you have to refile or whatever. But yeah, very interesting. I I what what a there needs to be a movie about her. I know. I love it. I, I hope that there's more. I, I'm, I need you to send me that story. Cause I really want to set up a Google or, cause I want to see if she just keeps doing it. Yeah. All right. I'll send it to you. Oh, it's so good. All right. What's and your I, fifth. I think we're on our fifth Rorschach now. I gave two in a row. I gave you my, you did? I, I, I did Leo. And then we went straight into Mikhail Gorbachev. Oh, right. Okay. All right, then I'll throw one back at you. Um, let's see. I've got a couple here. All right, well, speak it. Well, no, we already did that. Something like that. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> J.K. Rowling's new book features a character murdered after being accused of transphobia. Quote, I wrote it before my own backlash. Okay. Okay, J.K. <laughs> That is the most unoriginal, uh, hit you over the head with a frying pan. Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, look, maybe, but as someone who's about to publish a book who pulled 99.9% of it from what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, like, not everything that happened in my book happened, but like it was 100% inspired by events that occurred. No, shut up. She's, she's also, she's so, she's too much. She's doing the, and this was years ago. 
she just made up to get to become viral that before there were toilets in the wizarding world, they just pooped on the floor and then used a spell to send it to God knows where. That's not in the books. Why do you just say no, that? Just leave it alone. Yeah. I, she sticks her nose in shit where she doesn't have to. And yes. she says things like, just, just shut up. Like, fuck, take Twitter away from all of us, please. Please. It, it, if you really have something important to say, and if it really matters and really is insightful and interesting, you start by pitching editors at the New York Times, at the Guardian, where, or you send a letter to the editor, the Time Magazine, whatever. You fu- and when it's fucking stupid or not necessary, it doesn't get published. And that's for a reason. Just, yeah. Yeah, I, right, so you're, you're calling bullshit on that. Good. Good. That is horseshit. Uh, side question for you, though. Is, is J.K. Rowling hot? No. Okay. I mean, is she? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I see pictures of her, like, red carpet stuff, and I'm like, uh, oh, that's... That, that woman has good geometry. Like, her... I, but I don't know. She looks like a young Maggie Smith. Is there such thing as a young Maggie? Was Maggie Smith ever young? Seriously, that's an honest question. That's a great question. Great because question. I'm pretty sure in 1993, when Sister Act came out, she was 176 years old. She is so old. I fucking hell! I have her. Um, I'm gonna admit. I'm gonna. I'm gonna admit a, a not good thing. Uh, my my extended family. We have a celebrity death pool, <laughs> and. Um, Dame Maggie Smith is on my list. So is Dame Judy Dench. Like and David and David Attenborough. So basically the best things Britain has to offer us is is Queen Elizabeth on your list? She is. Uh and so is Mel Brooks. Oh, Mel Brooks. I want yeah. I was going to say, I want other. I thought, I thought that, hit, yeah. when, when, when Carl Reiner died, I thought it was going to happen just like that. Those I two. Thought when Anne Bancroft died, when Mel's wife died, I thought that it would, it wouldn't be long, but yes, when Carl Reiner died, it's yeah. those two just having their dinner tonight together every yeah. night. Oh yeah. God, that's, that'll that's be you and me. Sad. That'll be I you hope and I. So. All kidding aside, I, I want what Carl Reiner and yeah. had. I want that. They had dinner and watched a movie together every night from 75 to death. Just fucking amazing. What a life. My, da- my dad has that with like his men's club from the temple. Like it's just like a few remaining guys and they would go every Sunday for brunch or breakfast, whatever. And they still do it. And there's like three of them left. Oh, and it's pathetic because they've had to like combine the temples. Like our temple doesn't really exist. It's, uh, it's, just, it's fu- and I'm like, dad, why do you keep doing this shit? Like this fucking Jewish experiment you've done in the South suburbs of, of Chicago, it's done. <laughs> Everybody fucking moved North. Everybody fucking died. That's, and none of your kids want a part of it. Six things you should do this week. 
first thing, watch on Hulu, The Dropout. I'm probably a little late on this. Have you ever heard of Theranos? Yes. Yeah. And another drop. Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Uh, They have, there was a documentary that came out. This is a dramatization. Amanda Seyfried is starring as Elizabeth Holmes. She is very uncomfortably good as her. She dances like a insane person. She. Oh God, there's dancing. She well, there's just a scene where she's like discovering herself and she dances and, and it's so awkward. Oh god. Um, she does the voice disguising just the, like the weird, the weird deep voice talks, thing. That, she talks yeah. like this. And it it's I'm very impressed with it so far. I have not yet finished it. Um, I I really like it. And Cameron I, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is in it too. Love him. I started it and I don't remember. I didn't get very far because I was like, I, I, I don't care. I just like, I, it was, it was so awkward for me. And like, I, I know the story. So I was just like, I, I like the story so much. There was, there was a amazing. moment. It's an amazing. There was story. a moment there where inventing Anna, the Anna Delvey. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that yet either. And the WeWork. Have you seen yeah. the WeWork one no. with Jared Leto? And that we're all out of the same time. We love mm-hmm. fraudsters. Man. I think I'm just sick of them. I think that was it. Part of it too is like I'm just I'm over the fraudster shit. Like, and maybe it's because I I spent four years with a president who was a fraudster, and it was like constant, and it's still fucking happening. And it's like I'm just I don't know. I'm like fraudster overload. But I will. But you and I really align on television, so. As an on art, I think too. I don't. Generally. I I would. So say I, I will gonna, revisit. If you're going to pick one of the three that I just mentioned, the uh, girl from Ozark with Anna Delvey, don't watch that one. I'm not watching that one. That one has been shond, it's been shondified. So yeah. don't. Uh, the Jared Leto one. Shondified. I try not to. I try not to support anything Jared Leto does at this yeah. point. Um, but it's good. But this one's the best. This one okay, is the best. Then I will go with that one because yeah, Jared Leto, blech, who cares? All right. Uh, so my first thing this week is it's a watch. Uh, it's on PBS American Experience, Flood in the Desert. American Experience is like mini documentaries, an hour if you're not familiar, it's you know hour-long documentaries. This is called Flood in the Desert. Uh, so I'm gonna read you their uh, their description of the of the episode. Just before midnight on March 12th, 1928, 40 miles north of Los Angeles. One of the biggest dams in the country blew apart. This was the St. Francis Dam, and it released a wall of water 20 stories high. 10,000 people lived downstream, and it was a fucking disaster. Uh, what's also interesting is, like, you're probably familiar with the movie or the song or the reference or the, the, the road Mulholland Drive. Yeah. So this, this dam, the St. Francis Dam, was designed and built by the self-taught engineer of uh, William Mulholland. And it's, oh, wow. It's just, it's a fucking wild story of hubris and engineering failures and the fucking West and their water. And I, we, we just, we just fucking shouldn't be there. No, we should not be there. And 
I lived in Las Vegas for 10 years and I, I love that town. I love the West. It's beautiful. It's amazing, but it shouldn't, it just shouldn't. And, and so it's what, just, what is the name of this again? So this is, um, it's on, you'll find on PBS, uh, the, the, the TV program is called American experience. The episode is flood in the desert. Okay. Oh, I'm going to find it. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, like boring American experience. It's wonderful to fall asleep to, but like, it's also like, I fell asleep to it the other night and then woke up in the morning and I, I did the dishes to it. Um, you know, I started it over and it was just like halfway through, I heard myself I was listening on my headphones because nobody else was awake. And halfway through, I caught myself going, fuck jesus like with all the horror of the death and how many people died uh i don't remember i'm not sure but like it's just i mean it 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 was devastating and and then just thinking about like what it means about the water in how we how we took water and rerouted things and it bringing water to la like took water away from people that were actually living off of the actual river that they had dammed and then rewrote, you know, it's just like he, Mulholland created the aqueducts that fed LA. Like it's just stealing water from indigenous settlers and, or indigenous people and or settlers. It's just, it's the fucking West and it's water. It's just, it's Perfect a American fucked up tale. relationship. It is the most fucked up relationship after Don and Dana's. <laughs> Speaking of fraudsters. There you go. Yep. I've got another one. Uh, my next one is also a watch on Netflix. Uh, I, I, can't, I want this to be the one, if you take anything out of this, Untold, it is on Netflix, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. This is a two-part documentary about Manti Teo. Do you remember that name at all? He was, yeah. a, he was a linebacker who played for Notre Dame. And in 2009, was catfished. And back in 2009, it's like I, the first catfish. It was the first catfishing. About a couple of years later, somebody was talking about catfishing to me, and I said, "What is that?" They said, "You know the Manti Teo thing? Yeah, that." So they interview Manti now, who is a 31-year-old man. He was a 21-year-old man when this happened. Um, he you see how somebody could find their way into that spot. You also hear from the catfish. You also hear from the people who wrote the story of the dead spin writers mm -hmm. who learned a lesson themselves of that. They were not trying to get Manti. They were trying to, to get ESPN and everybody else who was putting out this story about this all American Heisman finalists girlfriend and grandmother dying on the same day without having fact checked any of it, mm -hmm. but it became a national story about this kid who was so they, he was viewed as so stupid for having had this relationship with the person he never met. But this makes it make sense. It gives some context. It, it makes and, it, yeah. it, it gives it all the context and, you still feel how could this happen a little bit, but it explains so, so much. You don't have to know anything about sports to enjoy this. So you and Don will really enjoy this. <laughs> Fair enough. 
All right, my next thing, uh, connecting to the uh, the Gorbachev death and my, my piece on the ape, uh, this is a watch. Uh, I reference a line in the story that just says, Wolverines! So I want you to watch Red Dawn. Uh, it's a 1984 American action film um, where American teenagers take on those goddamn dirty red Russians. And it stars Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, oh. Oh. C. Thomas Howell, Leah Thompson, Jennifer Grey, uh power fuck powers booth is in i totally forgot about fucking powers booth like it is like the ultimate 80s movie it's just it but it's you know that's the cold war so yeah red dawn the original red dogs they redid it i like was gonna say did they did 18 they or 19 but they made it north that, korea instead of russia they do a hemsworth brother in there maybe if it wasn't chris i don't fucking care it was chris was it chris 2012 was it Chris, really? Chris, Josh Hutcherson. God damn it. Josh Peck. No thanks to that one, but I'll Josh watch. Josh Peck? Well, I'm yeah. watching this fucking, I'm watching this now. If 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 it's one half of Drake and Josh in there. He's Chris Hemsworth's brother in the movie. What a terrible casting. Well, yeah, so maybe just watch the 1984 version. That's, I'm in. Although Josh Peck did. He got hot. He got he got thin. He got hot. Did he get hot? He's hot. Yeah. Not not Hemsworth hot. Right. Is he like Hemsworth brother? Because we've seen Hemsworth brothers. Like we know. No, no, they're aliens. Do you ever have that aliens. moment? Do you ever have that moment where you look at a person and you say, how, how am I the same species as Bella Hadid? How, I don't know who Bella Hadid is, but yeah, how, I do feel that when I look at Heidi Klum. Heidi Klum doesn't do it for me, but like when I look at Chris Hemsworth or not to be super Marvel nerd, but like I've always felt this way about Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman, Mm. because we're the same age. So I can, I guess, say safely say this from the moment she came into Hollywood and like came into our consciousness with the professional. I have, I have been in awe of uh, just of her, like her beauty and her, the geometry of her face and every, she breaks me. Like she breaks my soul and my, my, yeah. How... <sighs> I would totally leave Katie for Natalie Portman. I just don't know how my, my genes are in and I feel like I am more genetically similar to a grasshopper than I am to <laughs> than I am to some of the like a Hemsworth brother. Well, Hemsworth, yeah. Makes no sense. No, they're yeah. And I have I, I'm I'm the oldest of three brothers, like the Hemsworth, you know, like Chris Hemsworth. He's the oldest, I think, of of the three. Right? Yep. Ah, uh, whatever. And like the Hemsworth brothers, they all look like brothers and they're all extremely handsome. And, you know, some are better looking than others, right? Chris is takes the cake, in my opinion. You look at me and my three brothers, I think we're all decent looking. And I'm certainly the best looking of them all, just like Chris is the best looking of it. But like, I, I, we're, we're, I just, I would kill to be like just three hot, like as fucking hot and powerful as like it. 
<sighs> yeah, it's weird. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. Mm. Mm. I wish anyway. you the thing before I. <laughs> Ooh, this before is a I cop. Myself. This is a cop out, but you got to do it. Read Farewell to Las Vegas on the Literate Ape. Yeah. If you have it at this point, what are you doing? But you got to yeah. do it. I've read it three times. And I'm not, yeah. I, I've, and I don't want to get back into it, but it's just so enthralling. It's enthralling because it is like, it, it, you know, it starts out as just a farewell to Vegas. Don wrote a similar thing for farewell to Chicago. Like he wrote a all encompassing piece. And he was telling me like, as he was writing this, that he, it didn't start out as a revealing Dana thing but it had to go that way because like you were saying with you know your life and casey like the road this is just this is the road the choices that we make the position we're in whatever like this is there's no avoiding it you can't say farewell to vegas without like why are you leaving what went wrong what happened the feeling you have it's all immediately directly connected but it is There's some great prose in there and there's some hard realizations for the, for the, the listener and the reader who might know the author, you know, familiarity with the author, but then there's just some hard realizations from just like a humanity standpoint. Like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine having the conversation that he had with Dana with Casey no and i am sure easter sunday he didn't think that was a conversation either which is what makes it so enthralling i think just how out of the blue and honestly it does feel like one of those fraudster shows where mm -hmm. this person you, where you you trace your steps back to how how does somebody fall for that and for this and for that and you realize because they it just happens it's so oh and like so and he says this that you know he feels like the biggest fucking idiot on the planet earth like how the fuck did he not know how did he not see it he got fucking taken he got had whatever he's mateo uh, what's his name mateo catfish face yeah catfish yeah, yeah 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 he's like he's mateo whatever like of course don didn't see this shit because you know he was in love and yeah I, love is makes you fucking stupid it just you make bad choices a lot of times when you're you make good choices too but you can also make really fucking bad ones or just choices that end up going an unfortunate way anyway so my third thing to do this week um it's another watch and it's on theme with gorbachev uh so maybe this is yeah specifically for you and and my wife um Borat. I still don't know what that means. Every time I say my wife, we've got this group of friends and they're like, ah, my wife, uh, Borat. I don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. Just keep going, buddy. All right. Uh, it's a movie. It's a film called Spies Like Us starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Um, the film presents the comic adventures of two novice intelligence agents sent to the Soviet Union. It was written by Aykroyd um, and it was meant to star John Belushi, um, 
but then something happened to Belushi. Hmm. So just like with Ghostbusters, like Belushi was meant to be Peter Venkman. Oh yeah. Bill Murray came in in the same way. Bill Murray kind of, I guess Bill Murray replaced Chevy Chase in SNL. Chevy Chase and Spies Like Us replaced the Belushi role, the intended Belushi role. But you watch it and just like you watch Ghostbusters and you're like, well, I couldn't see John Belushi in this role. It's no fucking way. So it's Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd, like maybe, you know, they're at the peak of their game. It's 1985. Um, So yeah, Spies Like Us, great fucking film. We'll put things a little more in perspective as you think about uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Rest in peace. Rest in power, King. There you go. Fucking loser. I don't know what that means. You're responsible for like world peace. Almost. Yeah, asshole. Because the Soviet Union collapsed. Like that's the thing. Like the Soviet Union collapsed under his watch. And what happened? The Cold War ended. The (laughs) relative world peace. The Berlin Wall came down. Jesus fucking Christ. This guy is like the the opposite end of the spectrum from fucking Hitler in the 20th century. You know, like, uh, it's just, what a, you're te- what a, you're, what a fella. What a, you're telling me, I, I, I am. that's as good a source as uh, I've ever heard. Cause I, I'm like Katie. I'm too, too young for, I'm too young for this shit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Donald Glover said that in uh, Lethal Weapon. Who and Mel Gibson also on your uh, your Deadpool, your your death list this year? No, no, Mel Gibson's on none of my lists. No, no list yeah, of mine. Carl Reiner's friend, Mel Gibson, two thousand year old man, Mel Gibson. Why? We got to end this. Spaceballs, right? Sure. Yeah. History of the World Part One, where Jesus did the Passion of the Christ in History of the World. I would, I would love, I would love for Mel Gibson to be in Braveheart. Oh my God, that was the fucking. That's my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Is Braveheart. And the bit, and the bit. (laughs) What's your third thing? Did you do it already? Are we going on to four things now? No, no, because normally I go first, so I guess. So Don ends it. I'm in Jesus Christ. I had I had two fraudsters and a third fraudster. We switched it around. All right. Well, shit, that was the show. It was a long show. Thanks for sticking around. Um, John, thank you for, for coming on board. I'm glad that uh Casey's okay. The baby's not here. We could do this tonight. Um and please, listener, dear listener, do not miss next week's unveiling of everything it's i mean if this episode was long that episode might be it might be a two-parter because i i feel like my one request don't make it a two-parter make it a one longer a one longer all right well that's the show thank you john a pleasure and uh the apecast will be back next week don hall will return with some hard truths you can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.